is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Welcome. Uh, glad that you are joining us for our video podcast. Now, if you're someone who wants the full service, who wants welcome and announcements, wants prayers, wants music, you want to go back to the YouTube page and click on the link that says full service. For those of you that are like, listen, I just kind of want the message, this is the place for you. A chance for us to learn more about how do we live our life with Jesus in the midst of all of life. And so we're glad that you are joining us. If you want to find out more information, go to our website and check it out and click on whatever links most interest you. We're so glad that you're joining us. We look forward to continuing to connect with you and engage with you. If you have questions, if, if you have suggestions, if you have things you'd like to ask us about, the best person to connect with is Leah. She is the one who would love to connect with you online in a way to help you grow in your faith wherever you are at. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's jump into this week's teaching. And so as we get rolling here today, I just want to make a quick comment about baptism. Now, if you're watching simply uh, the, the podcast on video or you're listening to it on audio and you want to see the baptism service we had, you got to jump back on our YouTube page and check out the full service. But, but baptism is one of those amazing moments where you stop and you recognize and you celebrate that you want to make Jesus the focus of your life. Now, maybe for some of you watching or listening, you're in a place where you're now wanting to see more of Jesus become a part of your life. And so what is that next step? I would suggest baptism, the place where you recognize your need for Jesus to lead you and to guide you in all of life. If you're at that place, I would love to have a conversation further with you. It can be in person, it can be online. We can, we can talk a little bit more about what this means and what this looks like for you. And so drop me a line. Would love to begin this even greater conversation. Well, today, this week, uh, we are going to continue our series on talking with God. We've got about one more week left, and then we're going to uh, wrap it up as we jump into our Advent slash Christmas uh, series. But it's it's a series on prayer that I hope that regardless of where you are, regardless of what prayer is for you, that this has been helpful, that, that it has enabled you to take that next step so that prayer is not just some abstract idea, but rather you are able to have intentional and intimate conversations with God. I know in my own life, as I've prepared week by week and the very things I'm sharing with you, I'm, I'm incorporating into my life as well. And, and it has been so beneficial. One of the best takeaways for me is just a reminder that, that before I start to pray, that I make sure my focus is upon God. Because that begins to dramatically change my perspective, my outlook, not only in prayer, but, but ultimately in the midst of all of life. And so today, we're going to land on the portion of the Lord's Prayer that I would suggest is the most mumbled verse. You, you know when someone mumbles, they, they, they're they're kind of saying the words, but their heart isn't quite into it, um, whatnot. I might actually even say this may be one of the most mumbled lines in the entire Bible. Intrigued? Kind of wondering what I'm talking about? Let's jump into the Lord's Prayer. Let's check it out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what is the most mumbled verse in the Bible. 
Matthew records this in chapter 6, verse 9, when Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Uh, many years ago, when I was still a student, still going to, to school, learning to become a pastor, um, still kind of learning the ropes, some would say I'm still in that place, I filled in at a church in Stouffville for four weeks. And I was to lead the service, I was to preach. And as part of their Sunday morning, at the end of one of the prayers, they would want the Lord's Prayer said by everyone. Now, if you're familiar with this tradition, it's typically the, the minister, the pastor, the guy up front who, who leads this. And so I was all ready to go, said the prayer, jumped into the Lord's Prayer to say all together. And then we got to the point where we normally say, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, if you're someone who has been raised in the church, is more familiar with some of these church traditions, you realize that that line sometimes has different translations. Some say forgive us our sins, some say trespasses, some say debts. Well, on that particular Sunday, I said forgive us our trespasses. Well, unknown to me is that this church for their entire history had been forgive us our debts. Well, what happened was it threw everyone completely off. I said trespasses, they said debts. We didn't almost know what was to come next. And we bumbled and mumbled our way through the rest of the Lord's Prayer. We recovered. The following week, I come back to the church. And on the, the lecture, in the, the pulpit, was the Lord's Prayer printed out. And on that particular line, it said, forgive us our debts, bold, capitals, underline just to make sure that this student pastor didn't mess up yet again. To be honest, this is something I live with for, for many, many years. Now, whenever it comes to saying the Lord's Prayer in public, when I get to this line, I actually lower my voice and kind of mumble my way through it because I'm like, ah, is this trespassing people? Is this sins people? Is this debts people? But when I start to think of it more and more, I often wonder that when we get to this line, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If this is a mumbled line, because we begin to realize what it is we are saying. Every week I, I remind us that, that the Lord's Prayer is, is a model. It's, it's not a mantra just to be re repeated over and over and over again, that we are to be thoughtful in what we are saying. To, to, to apply it into our own lives, to get intentional about what we say. And when we start to talk about the idea of sin and forgiveness, Jesus is now getting incredibly personal. I think oftentimes we may mumble this line because we land at a place of recognizing we are in need of forgiveness. And, and for some, this can rub us a bit of the wrong way. For some, you think, this is why I don't come to church. This is why I don't want to, to, to learn more about God, because all you ever want to do is talk about sins and the needs of forgiveness. I mean, can't we just be good people? Can't we just live good lives? I mean, I get it. Sure, I mess up. I mess up. But I'm not that bad of a person. So, so, so why can't we talk more about that? 
Here's the problem. When we avoid sin, when we fail to recognize our need for forgiveness, what we do is we reduce Jesus to simply a good moral teacher, someone who gives good advice. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came not just simply to give us good advice, but to announce good news. That through his perfect life, through his sacrificial death, through the power of his resurrection, that we are forgiven when we put our faith in him. That this is not just good advice. Jesus is not just a great teacher. He is our savior. The one, the only one who can forgive. You see, forgiveness is this incredible gift of grace where where God says in Jesus, I am giving you what you don't deserve, something that you could never earn, forgiveness, reconciliation with me, the wonderful hope and assurance of eternal life, which brings us to the place is that if if, if forgiveness is so great, then then why don't we readily admit our sin and and receive this grace and, and receive this peace? I don't know about you, but often it's because of pride. This past week, like less than five days ago, I was reminded of this. I came home and innocently, Rebecca asked me a question about a candle. Understand, a candle. And you know my reaction? I got all defensive. I got kind of bitey. I was sharp with her. I was like, what what are you asking me about a candle for? Like, what, what is this all about? In no uncertain words, I was just not very kind to her. Well, a few minutes passed and Rebecca said, listen, hey, listen, um, I didn't really appreciate how you responded to me. And so what do you think I did? I probably landed in a place and thought, you know what? You're right. I'm a jerk. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah, that would have been the right answer, but that wasn't the answer that, that, that I would have given. What did I do? Because of pride, I got even more defensive. I started defending myself. Being like, what are you, what are you talking about? I wasn't, I wasn't sharp. I wasn't, I wasn't biting. It's, why were you asking me about a candle in the first place, right? And the bad situation went worse. This is where God starts to work in my life. I don't know how the Holy Spirit kind of speaks to you, but but the Holy Spirit started to nudge me. and, And I didn't hear the audible voice, but I felt that feeling inside of being like, why are you being such a dumbass? How are your actions to Rebecca honoring her? How are your actions honoring me? And I swear it's like God said, why are you wrecking your relationship with your wife tonight over a candle? Took a few moments, a few minutes, and I started to come to my senses. I started to realize this, this is ridiculous. And so I went to Rebecca and I said, hey, listen, I, I am sorry. I, I don't know why I responded that way. I, I don't want to excuse my, my behavior at all. Will you forgive me? And those of you who know my wife, my wife is amazing. She is awesome. And she forgave me. And the rest of the night was so much better. But that one moment illustrated for me yet again, of how quickly we want to avoid sin. We, we, we want to step away from it. Be, because of pride, we, we become defensive. We, we, we think that our actions are not that big of a deal. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, 
say, Father, forgive us our sins. It's a reminder of us recognizing and acknowledging our need for Jesus. That Jesus is not just a great teacher who reminds us how to pray. Jesus reminds us that he is our Savior and that we are in need of his grace. And so, as you think about this prayer, forgive us our sins, be aware of the promptings. Allow allow God to, to speak into your life. Maybe just simply sit in silence. And as things are revealed to you, don't ignore them. Don't excuse them. Don't justify them. Confess them. And then begin to receive the gift of grace that comes through Jesus, through the confession of our sins. But the Lord's Prayer doesn't stop there. And oftentimes we mumble this line, forgive us our sins, because this next part, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Jesus is not only reminding us that prayer is important because we acknowledge our sin and need for forgiveness, but he also reminds us that we need to extend the same grace and forgiveness to others. This is such a key point that Jesus doesn't actually let it go. He continues on after the Lord's Prayer in verse 14 with these words. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, let that hang there for a moment. Jesus is saying, let's be real clear, that if we forgive, God forgives. If we don't forgive, God will not forgive. I already know, I already know with a mindset. It's the, but, but, but what about? Or, or you have no idea. And listen, I'm sure that if you presented your case to me, I'd be very understanding. I'd be like, yeah, I can see why that is hard to forgive. I can see why you wouldn't want to. But Jesus doesn't leave that gap. He doesn't leave that space. He doesn't say, listen, you'll be forgiven. And if someone does something really terrible to you, ah, don't worry about it. No, he doesn't do that. This past week, I had a conversation with a junior youth, grades grades five to eight, amazing, energetic group of kids. And we were talking about forgiveness. And we landed on this very point of how we are to forgive in all circumstances. And I love kids. They do not beat around the bush. Immediately, a hand shot up and was like, yeah, I got a question for you. What if someone murdered my mom and dad? Do I forgive them? I mean, this is the reality that we look at. Are there loopholes to forgiveness? Is, is there like a, a, an asterisk and an appendix that Jesus would say, okay, listen, listen, I know I said this in the Lord's Prayer, but in the back of the Bible, these are all the sins that you don't actually have to forgive, right? Turn to the back of your Bible. It's not there. Jesus is like, as you have been forgiven, you need to forgive. And so the first place you could land is why, why is Jesus asking this of us? Because he wants us to avoid one of the greatest dangers of life, and that is hypocrisy. If you notice the Lord's Prayer, it's actually sandwiched with Jesus talking about avoiding hypocrisy. And, and one of the ways that, 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 that we become hypocrites is when we expect things from God that we will not give to others. We're hypocrites. When we expect God to forgive us, but then we are not willing to forgive others. 
Listen, I get it. Forgiveness is not easy. That's why forgiveness requires grace. That that at the heart of forgiveness is grace. It is so much more than mercy. It is this place of you bearing the cost for the benefit of others. And so, and so when we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, it means forgiveness is at the heart of this. It means that as we are forgiven, we're also given the grace to forgive others. Forgiveness is is not tied to emotions. Listen, if, if you're waiting for the day where you can wake up and say, I am ready to forgive, I feel like forgiven, it ain't gonna happen. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It is a commitment to say, in the same way that Jesus is committed to me, I am committed to another. We'll never feel like forgiving, but we are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. Forgiveness also prevents bitterness and revenge from boiling and bubbling and building up inside of you. Jesus is onto something. He understands at the heart of the human need is not only to be forgiven, but to extend forgiveness as well. As you hear these words, Perhaps there is a circumstance, there's a person, there's a situation in your life that you are struggling with when it comes to forgiveness. I've asked a friend of mine, Ryan, to share a very personal story of where he needed to forgive. And so let's listen to his story, and then we'll jump back together and have some concluding thoughts. Many years ago, after experiencing a very traumatic hurt, I was challenged to forgive and love my enemy. This is my story, and I look forward to sharing it with you. As a leader in an organization a decade ago, I was asked by my peers, a couple of managers and several staff, to speak to another manager regarding behavior that could only be defined as unconstructive. I met with this individual at the end of one day, and very quickly, our conversation evolved. The individuals started to say things that were malicious, unkind, and untrue. And we ended up having a verbal altercation. I left the office, but unfortunately the next day when I came to work, I was asked to speak immediately to my supervisor and his immediate supervisor. The individual that I was asked to speak to to regarding their behavior had filed a formal complaint stating that she felt unsafe and she felt that I was going to physically assault her. My world came crashing down. I couldn't believe someone could say something that was so hurtful, so untrue, so malicious, so vicious. This accusation could mean the end of my career and it would destroy my reputation for years to come. Over the course of a few days, I spiraled. And I remembered that there was a witness in the room and I was confused as to why that witness did not come forward. When I approached that person, they shared with me that they were not aware of what was happening in the back rooms. But immediately they came forward, they vindicated me and told senior management of my innocence and they shared that it was actually my accuser that was the one at fault. 
Now, you would think that this was a good news story, and I felt good for all of 30 seconds. But it wasn't the end for me. Everything I worked for, everything that I held dear, my character was brought into question. It was almost destroyed because someone was trying to escape accountability, and they used a vicious lie to do so. I spoke to that person's manager, as my supervisors didn't have the authority to do anything. And she said words that I will never forget. She said, Ryan, you need to understand that there is something that is threatening about you. Not was, but is a constant state of threat. I ask you to take a moment, look at me, and figure out what that is, is. The grief, the anger, it was bubbling inside. I was not gonna get justice from this situation. And so I invited a good friend out for dinner one night. We sat across the table from one another. So I was seething inside. And he said to me, Ryan, you know what you got to do. I looked back at him. I said, you know, you're right. But I do not like you very much right now. It was probably the greatest display of fraternal love you could ask for. I was able to forgive my accuser. I had to forgive because that is the expectation of me as a Christian. And beyond that is the healthy thing to do. And so I so appreciate Ryan sharing his story. One of the things I love about this guy is just how honest and straight-laced he is. That he didn't say, oh yeah, it was easy, it wasn't a big deal. I love the fact that he says, you know, anger and grief were bubbling inside of him. Maybe you can relate to that. That, that he landed at a place of recognizing that ultimately justice was not going to happen. But he was reminded of what he was to do. It wasn't something he felt like doing. It wasn't something he, 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 he easily did. But he realized that if Jesus is the Lord of his life, then this is what is asked of him. So our takeaway, as we think of the Lord's Prayer, as we think of the words, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, at the heart of that, is forgiveness. The recognition that we need to be forgiven and the importance of us forgiving others. And so let me leave you with two questions. The first one is the part of the line, forgive us our sins. And the question is this, where do you need to experience God's forgiveness? Take some time. Maybe it becomes very aware, or, or maybe you just simply need to sit there and listen. As you confess your sin, don't justify, don't excuse, be specific. And then allow the grace of God 
to fill your life. We're reminded over and over again of of how when we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and true and will forgive us and cleanse us and make us righteous again. Second question deals with the line, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. The question is this, who do you need to forgive? Maybe it's very obvious. Maybe there's something that you have been holding on to, someone that you have refused to forgive, and I know you have all the but what abouts. Would you lay them aside and step into this place of grace, realizing that this is not a step you can do on your own, that you need the grace of God at work in your life? And begin to look at what are the steps you need to take. As we conclude, we want to end with communion. Communion may seem foreign to some of you, but I hope you start to see how important it is in the life of followers of Jesus. That communion begins to remind us again of our need for forgiveness. That through Jesus' life, his sacrificial death, through, through, through the power and the hope of his resurrection, it's in communion that it becomes a symbol, a sign for us of this incredible grace and mercy. And so as Jesus did, so we do. We take basic common elements, cup, bread, and we, we set them apart so that they're not just common everyday use and become more significant to us. And so hopefully you've had a chance to grab something to drink, something to eat, so that it can become more tangible, more, more meaningful to you. Because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he took bread. And he says, this bread is like my body, which shall be broken for all of you. Therefore, take this and eat this in remembrance of me. I love the words that Jesus says, my body will be broken for you. Jesus bears the cost of our sin for our benefit. Our sin should result in death, in, in separation from God. But because of Jesus, because of his death, our death does not have the final say. We have the hope of eternal life. And so will you celebrate the grace of Jesus with me? The body of Christ, broken for you and for me, let us take with thanksgiving and in remembrance of him. In the same way, Jesus, he then took the cup and says this cup is a new covenant, a, a new agreement between God and his people. Because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of one's sins. So Jesus says, therefore, take this cup, drink this cup in remembrance of me. Jesus says, through me, there's a new covenant, a new a new relationship established between God and his people that we are forgiven, not because we try to live good lives, but because of the grace and mercy of Jesus and a recognition of him.
And so as we drink from this cup, we do so acknowledging our need for Jesus, not just as a great teacher, but as the savior of the world. And that is good news. So let us drink and celebrate together. My hope for you is that as you start to think about this prayer, you realize that at the heart of it, Jesus wants you to draw closer to God. And one of the ways that we draw closer is through forgiveness, recognizing our need to be forgiven, and then stepping into the ability to forgive others. So this week, this week, what conversation do you need to have with God? Let me, let me pray as we conclude. And so, Lord God, as we, again, hear these words that Jesus first taught, may we not run through them too quickly that we fail to see what is being offered. May we not mumble them in such a way that we try to avoid them, but may we recognize again our need to be forgiven. Jesus, I pray that as people come to you this week, that they would fully experience your grace and your mercy. I pray also that as we come before you and as we, as we think of those that we need to forgive, that, that you too will convict us of that and that we will take the necessary steps to offer forgiveness. Not in saying it didn't matter or it's, it's, it's okay what happened because none of that is true. Forgiveness is this place of saying, I will bear the cost for the benefit of another. And so, Jesus, may we be more like you. May we forgive those who have wronged us, who have hurt us, who have done whatever they have to us in the same way that you have forgiven us. For we ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and the peace and the comfort and the courage of the Holy Spirit be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. 
And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.